You're listening to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast of its kind for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into consciousness, leadership, and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. This year, Thrive is brought to you by E2M Solutions, a trusted white label partner to hundreds of digital agencies across the globe. Visit e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive today. Welcome back to another episode of Thrive. The business of running an agency is an extension of who we are as ourselves. I think we can all agree on that. Whether you're conscious of it or not, the big and small T traumas from our past show up in various ways and they definitely impact how we lead. I talk about this all the time. Today, I'm joined by Nicole Lewis-Kieber, who's a licensed clinical social worker turned business therapist and coach. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm so excited to have this conversation, uh, as <laughs> I you. know you are. <laughs> I am. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, there's just there's so much alignment. And so when you and I connected over the recent article that I had published on Entrepreneur, where I posed the question, could entrepreneurship be a trauma response? I was kind of shocked, to be honest, how many reads, over 10,000 reads on the platform within 30 days. I was even more shocked by the number of people who commented saying how fascinating it was and how it really resonated with them in a very deep way that they had never considered these the correlation of these two things before. So for you as an expert on that sort of cross-section between trauma and entrepreneurship, you've been doing research in this area for so many years. Why do leaders have these responses? Yeah, I was so excited to see your article because I just felt like you did such a great job in referencing this in a way that people could be curious about. So thank you. Yay <laughs> for that. I think the first thing that we have to do when we talk about this, you mentioned big T and little t, is to kind of define trauma a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why people don't make that correlation is because the way that we view trauma particularly in our culture, is very minimal. And it's actually bigger than that, way bigger than that. So, what do you mean by minimal? It, so if I were to go out in the public with a microphone and just ask them, what do you think trauma is? They would give you what we call a big T trauma, like PTSD, domestic violence, you know, something big like that, or maybe a catastrophic illness or weather incident <laughs> as of late. But that's a very small segment of what trauma Actually is. And so I define trauma as an experience that we had, an event that happened in our experience of that event, because it can be very different for all of us Mm -hmm. and how we either don't integrate that experience or process that experience. And so it stays with us and informs how we operate in the world. It informs our nervous system and it kind of has legs, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But because we don't, as a culture, look at trauma in its bigger picture. We only look at this really small slice of it. A lot of people don't recognize the experience that they had were actually traumatic for them because we minimize it and dismiss it as, you know, well, that was just, you just had a bad childhood or things just happened. No one gets out of childhood. Get over it. I'm the generation of get over it. Nobody gets out of childhood unscathed. But when we look at what we call little T trauma, these are cumulative experiences that we can have in our developmental years, which I think is very important to say, where some we can have an experience where we see where we're feeling unsafe, unseen, unheard. And it can be something very small, either maybe you had a friend group who you were kind of left out of, or maybe you had a learning difference like I did, where you felt like I go to school every day and I don't know how to learn and this is really hard. 
And those experiences change how I see myself and what I think is available, you know, to me. And those cumulative experiences change how we see ourselves and we adapt to them. And so I don't think a lot of people really understand how important little T trauma is because of the cumulative nature of it. In fact, sometimes I think little T trauma is actually more pervasive and it's a runway for big T trauma. So Mm -hmm. I say that big T trauma explodes, little T trauma erodes, but they're both powerful enough to move a mountain, which is why we need to understand and define it differently so that people can name the experience that they're having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You and I could talk for hours about this. I really love how you encapsulate everything, especially when you talk about, you know, the, you said unprocessed or unintegrated. That's how I define trauma as well. And I think sort of the demarcation of it's not the event that happened to you. It's the experience that you've had due to that event, right? Because two Mm -hmm. people could have the same event happen to them Mm -hmm. or be imparted upon them, let's say, and two different people, two different experiences, right? One, if it's integrated right at the moment, they have, let's say, a caregiver or an adult or someone when they're younger to help them process that. Yeah, someone who doesn't very different experiences, right? right. So the ones yeah. that are unintegrated or unprocessed stay with you, stay yeah. with us, and it changes how we see ourselves, what we think yeah. is available to us, and how we then make our next choices. Yeah, and so what's possible for us becomes different in that moment, yeah. right? And yeah. so this narrative, when we were talking earlier today, I was saying how when we're younger, we think, oh, we want to be a doctor or an astronaut or a vet or whatever, right? We have all these dreams when we're little and we don't see any limitation. We don't Mm -hmm. see any lack. The narrative is there that everything is possible for us. Everything's available. And then these things happen. Our experiences change that narrative. And -hmm. then it just follows us for the length of our adulthood until it becomes processed or integrated into who we are. And so that's what we're talking about. And I I really, really just want to say thank you for talking about it in the way that you do, because a lot of people have sort of a a preconceived notion of what trauma is, or they'll say, I had a great childhood. I didn't suffer from anything traumatic. So this doesn't resonate with me. But maybe the mindset is starting to shift a little bit that, you know, when you felt shame or embarrassment in a classroom or one of your parents or other family members said something to you that was like really impactful. It made you stop and kind of question a lot of things about who you were. That's traumatic. Yeah. You don't have to have this big uh, definition for it. No, you don't. It questions, you begin to question your value, Mm -hmm. your belonging, your connection, and all that can be very traumatizing because, you know, we're all, we're, geared towards connection and survival for us. And I say every day, you can call it what you want, but your nervous system's responding to it as a trauma. <laughs> so right. it doesn't care what you name it. It's your nervous system's responding in a way right. that and impacts everything. Right. And when we talk about the nervous system, we're talking about sort of that older part of our sort of more reptilian brain that really is perceiving threat, right? Yeah. Am I safe? Do I have to protect myself? That's what we're going back to. So as you said, you can call it anything you want. If you have a a rub with the name, with the word trauma, as many people did when you tried to get articles published with that in the title, obviously things are changing now, right? But if you have a rub with the word trauma, use something else, use wounding, use, what do you say? Emotional sustainability, sustainability, right? So you can call it anything you want, but at the end of the day, 
those things I'm, I'm sure people have heard of Bessel van der Kolk's, you know, the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. These things are embedded in us mm-hmm. and we've got to work them out. Yeah. So let's kind of like kind of set back to what we're here to talk about, which is definitely that correlation between trauma and entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. how does trauma actually manifest in business? Like why do some of us start our own agencies, whether they're creative, media, technology, et cetera? Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons, but the thing that I've been viewing studying is that when we have an experience when we're in our developmental stages or as kids, where we feel unsafe, unseen, unacknowledged, or maybe we feel like we don't have any power that has a real impact on us. It's almost like this mechanism of, you know, survival kicks in, a adaptation of behavior or purpose kicks in. And unconsciously, I think I've seen a lot of people who will look back at it and go, yeah, you know what? When I was eight, I had this experience and I said, you know what? I'm never going to be like you. I'm going to go do this thing. Or I always want to feel like I'm the one in control because I feel like life is so unsafe or uncontrollable right now. Or I'll prove to you that I'm not the person that you think, the kid that you think I am. You know, like everyone thought I was dumb. I wasn't dumb by any stretch. I just was in a system that didn't know how to teach me. Right. right? So there's this moment where you're like, well, I'll show you. And I've seen a direct correlation between that and people who start their own business and become entrepreneurial and become leaders because they have some deeper need that they're trying to meet through this mechanism. So if the motivation to start the business happened way sooner than the person actually took the steps to start it because the business then becomes some symbol of correcting something, righting some wrong. And if you're someone who's had childhood trauma, there's also skills that come on that are very useful in the entrepreneurial world, being a high tolerance for instability and a high tolerance for discomfort Thinking out of the box, being okay with being the one who has all the power and control at that moment. So not only is there a motivational connection, but there's also a skill set that is created through these traumatic experiences that can be very useful for a while in the entrepreneurial space. So I hear you saying that our coping mechanisms are the things that make us great business leaders. Yes. Yeah. For a while. It is just so spot on. And as I said in the article that that connected us, I created my agency and I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know it until six, seven years later, seven years after selling it. So 14 years of running it and then another six or seven. So a good two decades after starting that business, I understood why I started that business. And for me, it was because I did not inherently feel loved, valued. Like I didn't feel like I mattered when it came to my biological mother. yeah, And so my creating an agency was literally me recreating an environment where I was needed and valued by my employees and my clients, period, full stop. And that just completely blew my mind. Right. And so what you're talking about is just, it's very true. And then for me, there was something where I did recognize that I, whatever I was trying to get from the business after those 14 years, probably after about 12, if I'm being honest, whatever I was trying to get in terms of an unmet need was no longer, I don't think it ever, I never got it, but it wasn't doing the thing that I wanted it to do anymore. And it was really eating at me. And that's ultimately how I made the decision that I didn't want to do this anymore. I Mm -hmm. felt like there was something else 
that was out there for me. And I didn't know what that was. Now I have a better picture of that, but I'm just really curious. Any of anyone who's listening and kind of has maybe a little inkling or a little knowing that this might have been the case as to why they started their own agency. And if there's a little gnawing feeling as to like, this ain't it, it's okay. I want to kind of give permission, you know, for that. Hey, let's take a quick break. Did you know that there's a better way to scale your agency? Whether it's web design, development, e-commerce, content, SEO, or even hosting, E2M is the reliable white label partner you wish you knew about years ago. Personally, I'm proud to partner with E2M because of our alignment in values and ethics. Head over to e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive to learn more. Now, let's get back to the show. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other ways trauma manifests in business because you touched upon self-value and self-worth. And I wanted to, uh, about concrete examples as to how that shows up in business. Yeah. So one of my beliefs, and this is a theory based on personal experience and research I've done with my clients and, and other entrepreneurs that I've interviewed over the years, is that I believe that when you start a business, and it could be anything, a project, a book, a, you know, but in my research, when you start a business, you enter into a relationship. Your business is something outside of you. It is not you, right? And because it is something outside of you, you are creating the dynamic with the relationship that you're in. Mm -hmm. And if you have these experiences where maybe you were wounded around your power or you had a critical parent or, you know, toxic roles in relationship attachment issues, even you are very likely to replicate that dynamic within the relationship that you build with your business. And so your business, which you wanted to be, like you said, to be this infinite source of love, acceptance, belonging can end up being a ruthless and forgiving and, you know, just mean entity that uh, never gives you what you were wanting in the first place. So that's where I always start is, you know, what relationship have, are you building with your business? What do you have? Is it demanding and demeaning, which is what mine was for sure. For the first two years, it was definitely a standard for my mom. Or is it loving and supportive? Is it giving you the things that you wanted your business to do for you in the first place? Because your business can do that. Yeah. You can, you you have, can. Right. You have agency. You have choice over that. Yeah. If you know. That, yeah. If you know. So, so that's the thing you have to be aware of it. You've got to have the self-awareness around it and yes. then you have to integrate some of the things that you haven't integrated before. And then all of that self-worth, that self-value starts to become the hallmark of how you create or co-create that business, that mm-hmm. relationship for yourself. Right. Exactly. About it. When I see, you know, some clients that are pricing themselves much lower than the market, or they're mm-hmm. discounting on proposals for no reason whatsoever, just because they believe that the client will never pay that amount. Not even part of a conversation. Oh, the client yeah. will never you know, go for that. I've heard that a million times. Yeah. Um, I, I see that a lot. You know, it's yeah. how you value yourself. It's how you will value your business and how you will value the work that you do within that space. So and especially- that's just one of them. Yeah, especially in the agency world, I think over-servicing clients Mm -hmm. is a big one, right? Because I don't feel inherently that what I've put down on a scope of work and committed to and then executed upon, I don't feel like that's enough. So it's the like, I'm not enough story. 
That's why we over-service. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating when you really start to break this stuff down and it shows up so easily in the agency world because it's a very relational, service-based, human-centric type of business. It's different than just selling a widget. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's much more relational and that relational trauma can come up in that exchange and in that dynamic for sure. But, you know, in my research over the years, the places that I see it come up most are money, trust, visibility, and boundaries. Mm. And, you know, all of those kind of come back down to how we see ourselves in the business and what the business means to us as a mechanism in our own lives of either support or reconfirming our feelings about our value. No, a few years ago, you wrote um, an article on Medium about sort of these seemingly productive behaviors being rewarded as good business or good Mm -hmm. leadership. What's the reality for some people about what's underneath those good behaviors? Yeah. So I, I, what I have seen over the years is that the behaviors that we praise about being good business that we co-sign that can really actually be very destructive, like saying someone, oh, they're, oh, they're type A. We're like just enthralled that this person is type A. When there actually could be, you know, they may have been the target of ongoing criticism while growing up and never feeling like they do enough or are enough. So are they type A and driven or are they responding to trauma? They just love a challenge when maybe they're recreating a pattern of approval seeking due to previous neglect. Do they really love a challenge or is there something else going on here? So we praise these behaviors and we co-sign this really toxic behavior and expectations when often there's a much more sinister underbelly around this. And I think that's one of the reasons why people are so surprised when you talk about trauma and entrepreneurship or trauma and these really highly driven people. They're like, they don't have trauma. They're doing fantastic. But I look at it and I'm like, yeah, because they're building you know, a business on top of their trauma responses. But we don't see that. Yeah, this is so fascinating. We could also talk about some of the leaders that are more visible where it's clear that something is not, they're, they're quote unquote successful, maybe from a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. but something is not right. You know, yeah. Elon Musk is a great example of that. There are tons of great examples like that. Yeah. You know, when you look at the epigenetics of Elon Musk and how he grew up, and I'm planning on writing an article about this as well, it is such a clear through line. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the way that he was treated by his father during childhood is exactly what he's playing out and has been with Twitter and lots of other, you know, businesses and the way that he treats people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, He, when he was eight years old, he said, I want to be a billionaire. In fact, I want to be the richest man in the entire world. And that came from a trauma response. It absolutely did. You know, so such fascinating stuff. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up here, what would you leave the audience with given the brevity and the weight of this topic? Cause it's not light, right? Like this is heavy. This is a little dense. It can be very confronting, especially if this is new, if these are kind of big realizations uh, in terms of the correlation that you've never thought of before, what would you leave people with? Well, I, this is a very confronting topic and it's often something we haven't considered because, and that's by design. We're taught to leave home at home when you walk into the door. We are conditioned to leave who we are and all of who we are when we open the door to our office. And that's not how we operate as human beings on this planet, even though someone would like to tell us that's how it works. So I always say when people hear me talk about this for the first time, that there's an aha and oh shit and a now what moment. And so wherever you're at in that is okay. So 
just give yourself some time, stay curious and open about this idea, but know that there's nothing that you need to do about this right now. And that if this is surprising to you, and maybe you're feeling like you want to judge yourself about not seeing this before now, um, to have a healthy dose of self-compassion because you didn't know what you didn't know. And there was a reason probably why you didn't. So just be kind compassionate, stay open. And please, please, please don't use this conversation as one more thing to beat yourself up with. That is not why we are here. It's actually to help liberate you. Yeah, well said. In the show notes will be links to your website as well as the Medium article and the article on Entrepreneur that I mentioned. Nicole, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world and always happy to have a conversation with you because yeah, it could it could go on for hours. Yeah. I would I would absolutely love that. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us. If you liked this episode, please rate the show or subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a big thank you to the official sponsor of Thrive for this year, E2M Solutions, your white label agency partner. Learn more about their approach, services, and subscription plans at e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive.